The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N E U D A E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Check out the song Lion Kings. It's our intro, along with the rest of their body of work. James, the MLB draft is in the books. We were in on Monday night, and then you and Kevin O'Brien, Tuesday morning, just hammering out notes. I mean, pick by pick analysis real-time notes for the first what four rounds or whatever it was pretty awesome stuff definitely go back and check out the log of all those notes but we'll be touching on a lot of those picks and where they're slotting into your top 400 you've already added those guys and updated the top 400 so we'll kind of be going pick by pick there but first off how do you think your brewers did uh you know the more i look at it i think they they did pretty well it was sort of an unusual uh unusual three of the first four picks for them were unusual they went uh pretty pretty heavy with the college bats which uh you know i think a lot of progressive teams 
uh, will go, you know, with a college bat early probably, but you, you like to get some high upside 17, 18 year olds with, uh, some of your, your later picks, but they, uh, they got KJ Harrison, who was a first baseman in college. They're going to try him behind the dish. Uh, they got uh, Tristan Lutz, who's who's a high schooler. Um, but they also got uh, you know Kira or Heston Kira, uh, who is a second baseman, which I know you, which really excites you, obviously. Uh, second base prospect right out of college. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting. I, I he was. He's someone who, uh, you know, I, I did a podcast last night with uh, Chris Welsh, who we've had on the XM show before, and, and we were pretty divided on him. I know there's there's some people that are even higher on Hira than I am. Uh, I know Brett Sayer from, from BP released his top 40 prospects from this draft. He had Hira number two overall. Uh, so hmm. it's, it's kind of split. I mean, it's a second base profile not a ton of defensive value most likely but he might be the best have the best hit tool among all college players in this draft which is typically a good recipe for success you think about guys like ian happ and kyle schwarber you know players like that from from past drafts that have kind of gotten that label so uh i'm i'm fine with it they're they're pretty stacked on the farm as is so i think you got to take pretty big swings because the barrier to entry into that lineup three or four years down the road is going to be so high yeah absolutely and meanwhile my reds taking 100 green i'm fine with it you have them not really all that high among the the draft class in terms of dynasty league prospects but in their position the guy like that who can play both ways and just not having a clear clear-cut choice i think you know i'm fine with it as a fan i think especially after hearing this guy in interviews hearing him talk sounds like he's got a good head on his shoulders and you comped him to russell wilson so just kind of interesting in terms of an in terms of an interview and a personality i think he's he's got a lot of russell wilson in him uh the the football (laughs) player obviously uh you know just very very polished very by the book you know, kind of, yeah. Derek, he's not going to. He's not going to embarrass the the franchise, right? He's he's just he's not going to say anything interesting at all. But he's gonna. <laughs> he's also yeah. not going to embarrass you or anything. And he's going to probably do a lot of charity work in his in his spare time. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with a guy like Hunter Green. Yeah, obviously, uh, that you know, Russell Wilson's ruthless kind of enthusiasm. <laughs> I don't know, just like positive attitude annoys a guy like me but right no i see so like i'm the exact same way but i think somehow that works in pro sports to a certain winner's mindset kind of right like not be a a dumbass yeah yeah i mean it's it's you don't you can't think of too many of those guys that haven't had fairly successful careers in pro sports yeah good head on their shoulders even if they're a little boring but yeah i there was kind of a bit of a surprise at least at the top of the draft as far as i was concerned because we'd had jim callis of mlb.com mlbpipeline.com on the xm show a few days before he was nice enough to join us take some time out of his saturday he said brendan mckay was probably going number one but as it turned out the twins did indeed want to take him but he turned down their offer yeah, and then he took whatever the the Rays are going to end up giving him, and could not have looked like less enthusiastic. Yeah. I mean, I, that that 
image of him, you know, on the conference call with MLB TV was just so bizarre. Like he, he honestly looked like he'd just been pulled off of like a, a buddy in like a drunken scuffle, like where he was like kind of red in the face and just kind of angry. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think weird. It, I think part of it was because they announced him as a, as a first baseman. And then they had to double back and say, well, actually he's going to be a first baseman and a left-handed pitcher. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to me, I don't understand. I, I guess maybe the twins just said like, Hey, we're going to give, this is this is as high as we're going on the bonus at pick one. We're gonna try to go under slot here. If if you won't take it, then we're gonna give it to the next guy who'll take it. And I mean, I guess I, that's possible, but I mean, I, I can't imagine the Rays are gonna be able to necessarily go any higher than what the Twins are gonna give Royce Lewis. So uh, definitely interesting, but I'm happy. I'm happy in the sense that. It, it's pretty clear to me that the Rays are leaning uh, first base over pitcher with McKay. I know that they were one of uh, a couple teams, and I think I think Jim Callis actually said that the Twins liked him as a pitcher, uh, and the Rays and the Braves liked him as a first baseman. So, from a fantasy perspective, we want him playing first base. He's kind of a boring starting pitching prospect to me. I mean, he he's maybe a number three starter but he's he's kind of that just lacks lacks the type of ceiling you want out of a a college arm so i'm I'm just really happy he's probably going to play first base although there are a lot of complications involved here because if they let him hit i mean they're obviously going to let him hit this year uh, because he's going to be up 115 120 innings depending on how deep louisville goes in the ncaa tournament but if say what if he like struggles with the bat this year and maybe his heart's not really in hitting and he'd rather be pitching and then he starts questioning himself if he's struggling and the team maybe starts questioning what they want to do with him long term i mean it's it's a very unique situation that we don't have to deal with all the time with with most prospects yeah and i also think that them announcing him as that and them planning to, to use him as a first baseman it's good for us but i would think if i was uh, an athlete which i'm far from um i wouldn't be all that about that because as a left-handed pitcher you have a easier path to making millions and millions of dollars being a first baseman yeah it pays off in the end but it's it's hard to be an elite first baseman right it's, e- it's easier to be a serviceable lefty pitcher i would think yeah and I I think pitching would probably be more fun like at the the highest level than playing first base like I could t- I could definitely understand wanting to take the ball every fifth day versus you know the bar to clear to be a successful to go from college first baseman to average or above average big league first baseman I mean it just it rarely happens yeah. so you know you, most of your best first basemen are uh, guys that, that went into the draft out of high school or guys that ended up at first base when they failed at other positions. So it's just, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that he's 
kind of got that rare set of hit tool power combination to, to make it happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see here in the coming months. Yeah, his reaction definitely spoke volumes. But the guy who did end up going number one, Royce Lewis to Minnesota, he checks in as the highest member from this draft class on your overall top 400. Number 35, ahead of Yadier Alvarez, Tristan McKenzie, Luis Urias, Scott Kingery, Bo Bichette. What uh, led you to settle on this position for for Royce Lewis? Uh, he's, you know, it's it's at a spot where he's not in front of anyone who like has a combination of just monster ceiling uh, and you know big time performance at. Uh, you know reasonably high level with with few flaws and he's behind most of those guys so like you know a lot of the a lot of the position players i have ahead of him are either either have a higher ceiling and have already had some some success in pro ball or maybe have a similar ceiling and are close to the majors uh you know there's it's it just seemed kind of like that sweet spot and and putting him right behind last year's number one overall pick mickey moniak who i think you know you could reasonably look at their tools and and say they're fairly similar i mean both of them you're talking about hit tool and speed as the the top two tools most likely uh royce lewis probably actually has more power potential than moniak although i think more people are probably convinced of moniac being able to hit for high average than than lewis so it just it just felt like the the right spot putting him right behind uh last year's number one pick moniac who hasn't really set the world on fire at low a but he's also 19 and, and he hasn't he hasn't really struggled uh, a great deal either yeah that that speed run grade for royce lewis makes him really really appealing for dynasty and keeper leagues especially given man stolen bases league-wide Getting a guy like this, who may, you know, he's not a Billy Hamilton type of runner, but he can make a pretty big impact on the base paths in a few years. So, certainly a guy I'd be interested in. Unfortunately, we can't pick up guys in our staff, pick up minor leaguers in our staff uh, keeper leagues. But I feel like next year he could be one of the first reserve round picks in the draft. Number forty-one, Brendan McKay. We talked about him quite a bit but then down at number 55 kyle wright who was in the mix to go number one ended up falling a bit further than i expected fell to atlanta you have him ahead of a guy like that i really like in sixto sanchez do you just feel a lot better about kyle wright's floor well i think he's you know sanchez has kind of crazy numbers right now at low a uh but he's also got this type of stuff where you wouldn't expect him to to really struggle and in, in, in the lower levels kyle wright i would fully expect to beat sixto sanchez to the big leagues even though he's never thrown a, a pro pitch I, I would expect him to maybe open at at low a or high a if he opens a low a, i think he'll he'll move very quickly to high a and I, I could see him debuting in the big leagues in the second half of next season, uh, assuming he doesn't doesn't deal with any injuries. Whereas Sixto Sanchez, I think the Phillies are going to be very careful with. Uh, Kyle Wright's got a much uh, better pitching frame. You know, six four, uh, about two hundred pounds. You, you know, I, I, no concerns really about him being able to hold up in a in a rotation. Whereas Sanchez is a bit more slight. Uh, 
you know, I think Sanchez probably has a bit more injury risk too. I mean, for, for a guy that size to throw that hard, uh, whereas Kyle Wright, you know, coming from Vanderbilt where they're, they're really good at, at, uh, being, being careful with their pitchers. Uh, so I, I think, you know, Sanchez might have a slightly higher ceiling, but I don't think there's a huge gap between their ceilings. And I think Wright's floor is just much, much higher. You hear from Dansby yet? <laughs> Harold Reynolds that was, asking Kyle Wright if he'd heard from Dansby when the Braves were playing. Right, that was the highlight of the draft. That was definitely the best moment of the draft because it was it was probably what like three four minutes after the pick was official. Yeah, and Harold Reynolds. You're yeah, Dansby, because you guys both went to Vanderbilt. Get it? It's like, dude, <laughs> do you know that they're playing? They're, he's on the field right now. Like Dan, just completely idiotic. Dansby question. just like immediately picking up the phone. Yo, yo, man. <laughs> yeah, bringing the the phone into the the dugout. I'm sure that happened. Actually, six though sandwich between Kyle Wright. By the way, is Kyle Wright the best arm now in this? This Braves organization. So I know he's not the top. Prospect. I have him. I still have him. Uh, I have him one, two, three. I have him four spots behind Colby Allard. I have him three spots ahead of Mike Soroka. So right up there. Yeah, I mean, you could reasonably argue for any of those three guys. Uh, Soroka's actually had better numbers than Allard at Double A this year, but I think Soroka that that isn't all that surprising when you think about their you know what makes them interesting prospects soroka is kind of more polish over upside even though he does i mean he could be a, a really really good number three maybe even a low-end number two starter whereas allard is you know the he's got the potential for three monster pitches from the left side so you know he's i think he's got the higher upside uh you could definitely make a case for any of those three. Yeah, I know some people were, some Braves fans, not so happy they took another pitcher, but you really can't have too much pitching when you're rebuilding. They could easily... They're going to be fine. Yeah, they can easily get some position players in a trade. But, uh, yeah, Sixto Sanchez, sandwiched between Kyle Wright and Mackenzie Gore. You have him 57. He went to the Padres. I got the sense that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when we were talking with Jim Callis and just on the show last week, Mackenzie Gore, kind of one of your guys, right? Yeah, I mean, he's one of a lot of people's guys. Yeah. It's not a unique stance to have that, that I'm really high on Mackenzie Gore. Uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys where if, say, this time next year we're looking up and Mackenzie Gore is a consensus top 20 top 15 prospect in baseball maybe maybe even the number one pitching prospect in baseball that wouldn't really surprise me i mean he's got that kind of upside uh lefty with the monster curveball uh big fastball really good command potential for a couple other plus pitches in his changeup and his slider it's it's just a really hard package to not like and, and it's the perfect landing spot for him san diego has a really really good track record in over the past couple of years since aj preller took over of, of of developing pitching prospects i mean they the braves obviously have the most pitching talent in the minor leagues but i think san diego to me is a pretty clear number two in that regard so it's a, it's a nice spot for him to go uh good to see him you know not in the al not in a, a hitter's park so yeah it was it was good to see him go there i think everyone expected him to go there uh the gore hunter green debate will will obviously rage on uh, I think Green, 
you know, we're going to be probably lower on him, especially uh, relative to just other players in this class with Green falling outside of the top five. But, you know, I could certainly be wrong about that, but I, I think Gore's got more upside than, than Green, and I don't really think it's all that close, even though Green's got the monster fastball. Yeah, that's absolutely fair, even though I think your Reds' hatred is bleeding through. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Adam Hazley went uh, eighth overall to the Phillies. He checks in at, at 60 on your updated top 400. Also, you, it looks like you kind of overhauled this just in general. I noticed some risers and fallers. Definitely interesting. Check it out. Rotowire.com slash radio for a 10-day trial if you don't have a subscription. Adam Hazley, though, I think is really pretty interesting. The the play discipline, really, really impressive. But how much are you buying into the power he showed at his, uh, in his junior year at, at Virginia? The guy slugged at 659. That's really the big question for me. Uh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to a guy like Jesse Winker who I still have hope for but i'd like to see a guy like this with this approach really contributing the power department again how much are you buying in well i should say just quickly speaking of my reds hatred uh was able to finally remove amir garrett from the prospect list today after he exceeded his rookie eligibility with his his start last night i know you're just Uh, itching to do that so that was that was very very pleasant um felt good uh yeah hazley I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's fifteen to twenty homer power. I think you know. I said on the show when we were talking about the the top hitters in this class before the draft. Like Hazley's kind of got that weird approach where he's sort of crouched. It doesn't, you know. I don't know. It's not explosive necessarily the way you'd like a, a power hitter to be, but he's got the the really strong forearms, the really good eye, really good approach that. I think really lends itself to guys out overperforming their power projections. You know, I think he's one of those guys where I think you could see him get grades of like 45, 50 on the future power his first couple of years in the minors and then just kind of surprise everyone and, and blow past that in the majors at some point. Uh, but even if he doesn't, even if it's just 15 homer power or something like that, uh, he's got one of the best hit tools, one of the best approaches in the class, and he's got uh, the speed to steal 20 bases, and he's going to probably play up the middle in center field. So it's it's just a very safe profile. I, if, if I was to label any of these hitters in the class as extremely safe, I think Hazley would be that guy. Another hitter who seems to have a pretty good floor is, we talked about at the top of the show, Keston Hiera. Now, he didn't, didn't really play the field it was it at all this year at uc irvine because of that elbow opted against tommy john surgery do you think he's going to maybe dh uh, to begin his professional career as well yeah it, there's some talk that he's he's either going to dh the rest of the season and get tommy john in september or he'll just get tommy john right away uh i think either way it's justifiable you know i think you have as a hitter you have enough time you know if he were to get Tommy John just at the end of the season he'll still be ready to come back and contribute at some point next season he he won't miss the entire year so either way it's it's only going to delay his ETA his big league ETA by probably you know four or five months at the most so I, I'm not dinging him too much for that 
Hunter Green at 64. We talked about him quite a bit. Anything you want to add? I mean, this guy was the most hyped prospect in the draft. We probably don't really need, really need to get too deep into it, but anything you you want to add maybe about the, the decision to allow him to play both ways? Uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of a why not, you know, keep him happy. I mean, you know, maybe he goes out there and just absolutely dominates at the plate and then you have a decision on your hands. Might as well just see what he has against professional pitching. I don't think it's going to be a thing that lasts very long. He'll he'll be a he'll be a pitcher most likely. I think it's it's kind of uh it kind of comes down to me to how much you believe in a a pitcher's ability to add to to add a an impact breaking ball or an impact off speed off speed pitch uh, when they don't really have one. Yeah, we talked about that last week, and I said that <laughs> I think you know anybody can learn to do anything. Then uh, Jim Callis comes on on the Saturday show and says, "Well, you either know how to spin a breaking pitch or you don't." And thinking about it more. I think he's right because I've been trying to throw a breaking pitch with a wiffle ball for about fifteen years, <laughs> and you've been succeeding. Just, well, no, just, I can't. Yeah, I, mean. <laughs> I can't. Can't get spin on that boy. Well, that's weird. So the the other thing about Hunter Green, uh, you know, everyone always says he he's the most athletic pitcher I've ever seen. You know that you hear that a lot with him, and and I, I think the reason that is is because most of the time guys this athletic end up being position players and he would be a position player if he didn't touch triple digits routinely with his fastball so it's just his arm speed is so outstanding relative to other premium athletes that have played baseball in the past that he was not a developed as a position he's not going to be developed as a position player so that's why he is the best athlete uh, that a lot of scouts have seen on the mound uh, i also think it's it's just, it, you got to always kind of point it out like obviously don't want this guy to blow out his arm but he he's kind of a a perfect specimen if you're kind of predicting who might need tommy john in the coming years just because he's so young and throws so hard even though he is that athletic i think that added risk is another reason why i like uh, gore and Wright a bit more yeah not a huge or well very good track record of high school guys coming out throwing 100 uh not a ton of success stories but moving on austin beck checking in at 68 overall in your overall top 400 he went sixth to the a's intriguing power speed combo here but 18 years old a lot of risk he's also had a a pretty serious knee injury last may acl and meniscus what are your big concerns with austin beck just the hit tool i mean i I like his hit tool uh relative to the other prep outfielders like the other tools the outfielders in this class Uh, i actually ended up moving back yesterday when i was really scrambling to get all these names in there and and you're right like i did in in addition to adding all these guys in i did do a full scale uh update so we were updating just not not only the guys that got drafted but uh, guys are already in there um and known as rowdy telez big fall yeah yeah big faller um and then so you know I'm, i'm scrambling to do all this i throw back in there in the mid 40s and just after kind of hashing it out um with with chris welsh on on that podcast last night uh and just thinking about it a little bit more i i would not take back if i was on the clock in a dynasty league draft i wouldn't take him over kyle Wright. i wouldn't take him over Mackenzie gore i wouldn't take him over hunter green 
Um, so I just I had to adjust that this morning when I came in. A few more adjustments were made as well, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if you want to go for for upside in a hitter, uh, a, a high school hitter that's not Royce Lewis, I think it's it's got to be back because he's got the the five tool potential. If if the hit tool kind of comes around, I think that. You know, he, there isn't a ton of a track record with him because of the injury, the missed time. So I think people have some questions about the hit tool, but I also think that means that you know it's it's too early to say whether or not he's going to be able to hit for average. So um, wasn't surprised to see him go six. I think he's he's a fine consolation prize if you miss out on the the top four or five guys from this class. No, he's about twenty spots lower on your top four hundred than Beck, but Nick Prado at eighty seven, I think is. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but relative to where he was taken in the draft versus where he was ended up on this list, seems like, and I believe you wrote his his note. Uh, I got a sense here too that you were kind of higher on Prado than than a lot of people. He is a hit over power type of first base prospect, but you just expect that you know the the hits will carry him up the ladder, and it may uh, maybe will surprise some people with his future power grade. Yeah, I I think it's pretty dangerous to label a guy like prado as a guy that you know where you're worried about the power uh i saw some comps to dominic smith on twitter on draft night i feel like that's just extremely lazy to say that he's dominic smith just because you're naming a guy like a high school first baseman who has a really good hit tool and, and hasn't developed the type of power you'd like in a first round pick uh prado's a a guy who's going to add size he's going to get stronger i think he's um just just one of those guys who's going to work his ass off and uh love his makeup uh he's, he's a really good defender um you know it's just if, if if scouts agreed that he would be a 30 homer bat down the road he might have been a top five pick he might have been a top three pick in this draft um i'm willing to roll the dice on him in, in this range at, at 87th overall because he does sort of have a fairly high floor just because of that hit tool um yeah i don't know it's the, the, this draft you're not going to find any kind of consensus on these rankings from my list to someone else's list uh, at a different side like even your own draft when you when you're doing dynasty drafts next spring you could have the third or fourth pick and take a guy that wasn't in somebody else's top seven or eight and you could be picking eighth or ninth and end up getting a guy that was in your top five like there's just there's not going to be a ton of consensus in this draft especially outside the top two yeah another herald gem was saying that like oh yeah with eric hosmer leaving you got to take prado it's just like well hosmer's leaving after this year prado's years and years away just kind of unrelated but uh, just a lot of i mean (laughs) he routinely says things that are just hilarious but well and um greg amsinger was i mean it wasn't just the harold reynolds show it was i mean greg amsinger got a gem in there too when he uh essentially said he essentially asked jim callis is Mackenzie gore the next clayton kershaw <laughs> yes, he's right. yes. So that's why he went number three is because he's the next Clayton Kershaw, and he's he's eighteen. And has never pitched in Pro Bowl. 
Nobody should be throwing around Clayton Kershaw comps on anybody. Uh, but moving on, Bubba Thompson at number 90, Pavin Smith at 92. Uh, close together. These guys are pretty different in terms of you know, what they bring to the table as players. Uh, Thompson, pretty toolsy, uh, running, you know, a speedy guy. Smith packing some, some power punch and a nice landing spot for him in Arizona. But what led you to put Thompson just a little bit higher than, than Pavin Smith? He's a prep hitter with five tool potential i think uh paven smith's a a college first baseman who is legitimately he's he's absolutely hit over power like i know i know there are people on twitter again like that are i saw saying on draft day and like the days leading up to the draft like give me that like give me paven smith for the power and the hit tool like i mean he's not a lock to hit for a ton of power uh there's scouts that put a future 50 on it scouts put a future 55 on it like that yeah you'll have some that that say it's going to be plus but if he's a college first baseman with 50 game power the track record of those working out is almost zero i mean it's just it's a really tough uh, profile to pull off now uh there are some rumors that the Diamondbacks are going to quickly try to convert him to left field hmm. and allow him to eventually play in you know in the same lineup as as Paul Goldschmidt before Goldschmidt uh, probably leaves in free agency. And if Paven Smith ends up becoming a serviceable defensive outfielder and can get in the lineup that way, then you're talking about a very different type of prospect where the there's not going to be as, as much pressure on on him to hit for more than 20 you know 22 25 homers mm-hmm. per season he'd, he'd offer really good on base skills that would be uh pretty interesting so it's kind of a wait and see thing with me but like we're, we're dealing with and we're going to get to evan white in a second here who i have ranked uh 100 115th with him paven smith and uh brennan mckay that's three college first basemen and what are the like what are the odds all three of them work out what are the odds that even two of the three of them work out like it's to me it you have to accept the fact that at least one of these guys is probably never going to make it as a everyday big leaguer and there's a decent chance that two of them don't make it as an everyday big leaguer so i'd be i'd caution against getting a little too excited about the first baseman well, yeah, let's talk about White because you have him below a guy like Shane Baz, but uh, White is, was pretty interesting because it seemed like uh, he was rumored to be going earlier in the draft. I remember having him queued up, ready to post. Ended up slipping a little bit further to 17. He has a pretty good glove, but like with those other first base prospects, college guys, uh, I mean, what is the, the major risk here with Evan White? It's just the power. Uh, if you think he's going to hit for power, then he could reasonably be a top five prospect in this draft for fantasy purposes uh there's a chance he doesn't hit for power he's uh not as big not as not as strong as your typical first baseman but he's a a potential glove gold glove defender there he can also uh, a lot of people think he can be very serviceable in the outfield even in center field that's where you get some cody bellinger comps uh he's also a plus runner which is rare for a first baseman especially a college first baseman so he's just such a unique prospect where there's so many avenues for him to be 
a big contributor if he can get outfield eligibility and i think i don't like him going to seattle because they don't have a good track record of developing position players but uh they i I could see their front office being very open to him moving between the outfield and first base and not just being and just you're, you're playing first base every single day i could see them getting a little creative and and giving him some starts in the outfield and so if he can maintain that eligibility that would be huge because i think he could be a potential 2020 guy in his early years uh but yeah, if, if he's 1B only, then the power is definitely going to have to come on. So Evan White at 115, 128, Joe Adele. And I'm a little surprised that he isn't a little higher just because, yeah, he's raw, but the, the measurables, the tools are, are pretty exciting. Look, I don't pretend to know nearly as much as you about this. Uh, I think I would maybe have Joe Adele a little bit higher, but uh, can you maybe give me the the reasons why I should temper expectations? There's just such a large chunk of evaluators who just don't think he's gonna hit at all and so i i have him right behind will benson who was basically this guy from last year's draft where like if he hits he's a superstar and even if he just hits like 250 he's a monster fantasy player but there's a decent chance he just doesn't hit at all I put Adele right behind him. Uh, Adele's got more speed than Benson. Benson's got more power, but they're both just that kind of absolute freak potential fantasy player if they hit. Uh, I think Adele's got, you know, his defense could end up being so good in center field that he could have kind of a, you know, BJ Upton type of career or, uh, you know, maybe even a, a Byron Buxton kind of light Byron Buxton. He's not he's not anywhere near as fast as Buxton, who's got legit eighty speed. But uh, I mean, there's definitely ways of him carving out a, a lengthy big league career, even if he only hits two thirty, two forty. Uh, but you, you know, I it's just I'm I'm kind of wary of the guys. It's fine when people say, well, he might only hit two fifty, but with Adele, it's like, well, he might just not hit at all and so i'm wary about putting a guy like that any higher than this um, yeah and i need that i mean I, I tend to fall in love with the the tools a little too much so i'm 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 right there with you like it i have to like force myself to push a guy Pump like this down a little bit, bit. like yeah. i mean it's just it's tough david peterson checking in at 136 he's definitely an interesting guy as well 20th overall to the mets uh maybe give the mets fans a little something to hold on to right now why the hell did they not bring Ahmed rosario up by the way god that's so buyer of me to be holding <laughs> on to Ahmed and but well, they just the, seem the, dead set on not bringing him up. The ultimate buyer move would be for you to cut him and then him to be up like the following yeah. in that same period. Yeah, for him first to get place the guy call. picks him up for like a zero. Just well, like or do, do, there's just like a bidding war. He goes for like 36 or something like that. Um, yeah, that's why I'm just not going to drop. Even though I should. <laughs> just stub, yeah, stubbornly, yeah, stubbornly hold him the whole year. Uh, yeah. Peterson, let me, let me just say though, like, this guy is pretty exciting, but doesn't throw all that hard i mean low 90s but does it play up better thanks to you know his size yeah he's got uh really good extension from the left side six six uh i think it i think it just it works as a plus fastball to me and 
it's interesting. You can debate like whether it's good for him to go to the Mets or bad for him to go to the Mets, just because like you obviously don't want him to have any contact with their training staff, but they also like they turned Robert Gazelman into a guy that was getting uh, graded out as like a easy like mid rotation starter this past off season because they added that monster slider that all the Mets pitching prospects seem to develop. Uh, so you could you could make a case either way. Like he might his stuff probably gets better because he went to the Mets work just working with their their pitching coaches. But man, you really you really want him to stay healthy. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's not the place to be if you want to <laughs> have your guys stay healthy. But I think he could be one of the quickest players from this entire draft to get to the big leagues. Like he's <laughs> he hasn't shown any uh, control issues, at least not not in his junior year at college. Just fifteen walks all season. He's got an advanced arsenal. Like he might not currently have that clear plus secondary pitch but he's i think the changeup and the breaking ball can both eventually get there i think he he could get get up at some point next year and be be pitching in that rotation if they have a hole so that's that's part of the intrigue with him i think he's i think his upside is getting a little undersold i think a lot of people have pegged him as just this you know low ceiling college arm I think there's there's room for a little bit of upside here, and so that's that's why I was a little aggressive on him. So we're already pushing up on 40 minutes here, and you got several other players that you added to the top 400: Jaron Kendall, D.L. Hall, Jake Berger. We got Burgers, uh, J.B. Bukowskis. We talked about a lot of these guys last week when we were previewing the draft. Anything you want to add with this last bunch of guys here? Well, I think Ryan Velotti's stock was obviously helped by him getting drafted by the Rockies. I mean, that's kind of goes without saying. Uh, Jaron Kendall, you know, I I'm a I'm a Dodgers believer when it when it's this time of year. Like, really, you know, I I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on a lot of their picks. And like, there's guys I ranked uh, towards the back half of the top. 400 that were dodgers picks where if they had gone to a different team um like a guy like a guy like james marinan who's a projectable uh right-hander i believe like he probably doesn't get ranked if the marlins take him but because the dodgers took him and their their recent track record is so damn good like they they honestly if you go back and look on their past two or three drafts under this front office they've they've just been taking everyone to town uh with with the drafting they've been doing so i i, I like that jaron kendall went there I'm, I'm not a huge fan in college guys with questionable hit tools i think that that's a fairly reasonable stance to take but because he went to the dodgers i'm a little bit more intrigued than i otherwise would have been yeah so are the marlins just on the other end of that spectrum yes. when you, you take you take a guy and they're just yeah, red flag just like, yeah just cross him off yeah i mean <laughs> i mean well it's funny it's funny that they took a guy that I like they took Trevor Rogers I think 14th overall a guy that I just wasn't high on in the first place and them taking him there I was just like oh man I guess I was right I guess he's not good yeah it's good to get validation <laughs> like that real quick before we sign off I want to thank the guys at RotoWare. yes for sending us a couple shirts pretty nice I mean I, would re- I appreciate that I, I know you do as well and I just want to say keep sending us free stuff yeah i mean if if you want to be kind of an unofficial sponsor of the pod just you know hit us up on twitter and we'll we'll give you the 
give you the address. The address, and you can send some stuff. I mean, yeah, Rotoware. If you if you're ever looking to kind of get, you know, a buddy a, a little gift for you know whatever it is, a birthday, get your commissioner a gift. Yeah, birthday, bachelor party, something like that. Or you want to just get on the good side of your your commish or you know what have you i think uh definitely check them out uh, really really friendly guys over at rotaware yeah i appreciate that guys and uh yeah again reach out to us at clay w link at real jr anderson we're always willing to take on free stuff hint hit bowman i'm still looking <laughs> for a box yes. Woody at bowman's listening to us but maybe maybe they are I want to do a box break. I'm still dead set on that, but we're, I will continue working on my top 10 hip-hop albums. We'll be getting back to grading and discussing some hip-hop on the show uh, later next month. I got some serious work to do on that front, though. Really hard to trim down to 10, but I know you're, you're getting pretty far, James. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.